Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Koshcast. It's been a while. It's been a while. And uh, it's me, Bernie. Uh, guys, life is lifing. We're really trying to figure out our regular schedule. It's tough. Everyone has babies now. Um, so it's it's not exactly easy, but we're trying our best. And when we, when we figure it out, we'll be back. We're in our Ten Hag era. So eventually, we'll reorganize and figure it out. But I am here with a guest, a uh, regular guest of the pod. You know him as Don Yaya. Come on. Roy Olende. Roy, how are you? Doing well, man. Doing as well as yeah. So now go after that FA Cup triumph. Respect, Don Yaya. <laughs> beautiful, but, uh, beautiful. I am on the other side of the baby life. So always happy to pressure under the cosh folks <laughs> to make a pod happen and then hop on. <laughs> yes. <laughs> to help yes. it happen. So and, I'm, I'm looking forward to this. You didn't just pressure, you willed this one into existence um, because you have an ulterior motive for this. And because of the oh. ulterior motive, I am drinking wine because I think <laughs> I need I need to, this to help me get through the rest of this. My hope for this is part therapy session about Man United, part rant, and just part hate. <laughs> so if we can strike that balance... <laughs> I'm going to be over the moon. <laughs> I don't think that will be a problem. I, think I, I don't doubt it. <laughs> I, I think I've done these at least once a year. <laughs> hey, you know, if we can make this sort of like a six, four month cycle, I'll be happier. Um, <laughs> but let's see, let's see how it goes. But I am, I'm dying to chat, man. I'd like the fact that when I hit you up about this, you had the three nil loss to city and then newcastle came and <laughs> and helped us out even more <laughs> so newcastle c team rocked up at old Trafford and hooked you up with another three nothing i'm like this week couldn't get any better like arsenal literally lost this week and i do not care <laughs> thank you man united oh my god oh my god where where do i want to go from here okay so yeah we'll start man united Guys, if we get to your club, great. If we don't, this yeah. is what we're doing, okay? It, like, it is what it is. It is what it this is. is. This, this is just it. So, let's start. Let's do the game first. Let's, see, uh, let's actually, like, should, should look at the, the city game? game. Yeah, yeah. Let's oh. do the game first. Because I think right. that will, like, I'll open up some wounds that we can write some salt <laughs> in. Oh, man. So, it was City 3, United, nothing. Zero, zip, zilch. And... You know what, Roy? Why don't you tell me your as a okay. as a neutral as a neutral as a right? neutral? Let, yeah, let me let like, me sort of like, start off with su- sum it up and then tell me your feelings on on both sides. Like, you know, let's start there. Yeah, so I think the first thing that happened to me, obviously, it's I was looking forward to this game. It's a it's a nice nice Sunday game. Can sort of lay back, relax. So I'm going to take my time and see the build-up and all that, and then the lineup comes out, and it's like, interesting. Okay. Got Maguire and <clears throat> Evans at the back. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was like, okay, well, lots of injuries. Let's just sort of see how this rolls out. Uh, McTominay, the uh, mm-hmm. Scottish Zidane, is in there as well. I'm like, all right. And then you obviously see the, the city, city lineup, the city lineup. Whoever they put out there is going to be great. Mm-hmm. 
but then the pre-match presser happens and oh i guess the it's not a presser just like a quick a quick was how's it going with ten Hag? And it's like okay it's all like all tactical right it's the reason i've i've put i've put these guys in and the game starts and actually i don't know like the first 10 minutes of a derby are always sort of up and down if there's if there's no goal like super early on you know it's it just feels a little fidgety mm-hmm. um and then you just sort of see what you expect to see, which is Man City began to dominate the ball. And Bernardo Silva begins to turn the screws. And then obviously Haaland scores. I mean, yeah, I don't know what you thought, your thoughts were on that, on that pen, but whatever. The pen, penalty gets given. In fact, let's talk about it a little bit because I was annoyed when that penalty was given and I'm not a United fan, Mm -hmm. Uh, because all I can recall is all the times this has happened to Arsenal players and the refs do not care once. Like they could, they could not care. Don't give a shit, whatever it is. Right. Mm -hmm. But the penalty is given. I'm like, ah, a little tough for Man United, but that just starts. Okay. Once a penalty goes in, I feel like that's the United DNA. The season is like, once this, once the, the goal goes in and the screws are tightened. If it's not a horrible team, it's just okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks for coming. I don't um, disagree with any of that, by the way, at all. I yeah. think on the penalty, like by def by very definition, it's a penalty. Right? Like mm-hmm. he pulls him back and he doesn't make an attempt to go towards the ball. I understand why it's given if you're being consistent with how the rule is applied. Like, mm. I, I, I don't think, like, I think against Arsenal, there was a time where Hoyland ran in and, and he got dragged down by yeah. Gabriel. Gabriel. That's a penalty mm. if you're going to apply the rules the same way. I can mm. let it, like, in, in that day, I didn't care about it. I never tweeted about it because I thought, you know yeah, what, that's one of those I'm like, yeah. <laughs> the refs can let, can let that go. Even if I think by definition it's a penalty, they let, they seem to let those ones in the box go because I thought, they don't want to call everything as a penalty, right? Yeah. yeah and then they gave yeah. this as a penalty, and I thought, yeah. what What are we doing? Because even later on, Stones pulls down, or then he just doesn't fall over. And I'm like, is it because Rodri made a meal out of it? But to your point, it is a penalty by, by definition. So whatever. Like, And United mm-hmm. have no ability to come back. None. And I'm yeah. going to come back to that point in a second, but they have none. But 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 continue, yeah. continue, Mister so Neutral. If so, that goes in right, and immediately in my mind I go, well, two things are going to happen. One, let's just keep in mind this is a, a Manchester derby. I remember the whole City coronation game, and then Pogba, Smalling, or like, nah, it's not happening. They came back out of nowhere, won that game. Like, there's a small chance that happens, but generally against a really good team, they're going to suffer. And in the end, like, Onana is sort of turns into mini De Gea, mm-hmm. uh, pulling off save after save. And you sort of sense the inevitable is going to come. But then McTominay gets this chance. And I have this feeling about McTominay. If you put this guy as a striker, he'll get 10 Premier League goals. Like, the dude, for some reason, is able to put the ball in the net, but he can't perform the job of a number 10 or a number mm-hmm. 6 
or mm-hmm. number eight. But hey, I mean, this I I think this is the the early signs of like the what is what is Ten Hag really doing here? This reminds me of Lucas Torreira playing number ten at Arsenal. Do you remember that Uruguayan? <laughs> I remember the guy. I don't remember him playing number 10. My God. Una Emery put him at number 10. <laughs> Literally put a guy who is built to defend at number 10, mm-hmm. supposedly mm-hmm. to win the ball high up. So there's a little shred of that. But mm-hmm. as soon as the second Haaland goal come, goes in, where this guy is just standing in acres of space, uh, Onana can't pull off another miracle save. Mm-hmm. After that, it's done. The game's mm-hmm. done. City just... From what was it? It was like a few minutes in the second half. It was 100% a training program from Mm -hmm. then on. 100%. It was like just passive move. Like looking at John Stones running through the midfield, doing his thing. Just drill. It's just drills, man. Just Mm -hmm. drills. Mm -hmm. And in the end, (laughs) the the only person who tried to do something you shouldn't have was Anthony. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and oh, he God. comes on the pitch and tries to be a hard man. <laughs> you know Doku would have beaten his ass, right? Doku would have slapped that guy up. Oh, my word. Oh, my word. And then Phil Foden puts the nail in the coffin. But mm-hmm. this is the thing I, I am not understanding, is from the lineup to the approach... Didn't Ten Hag even say he felt like they played well for part of the game? Which I didn't watch the, the press, but I, I said and, and they put the game plan into effect for most of the game. And I was like, <sighs> like, so this is what I don't understand. I mean, there's systemic issues. Like the fact that when you brought in Johnny Evans at the, mm-hmm. during preseason as like this, I'll just come train sort of deal. I viewed that as sort of like when David Beckham came to Arsenal to train, right? It's like, ah, I'll just show up and do some training. There is zero chance this guy's ever going to play for the team. Johnny Evans is starting the Manchester derby Mm -hmm. in 2023. Isn't that over a decade since the Why Always Me, where Johnny Evans also started? It was the anniversary, yes. So (laughs) what is going on with your club, Bernie? How are you at a point where Johnny Evans is starting for you in the year so, 2023. So so let me, let me do this, because you have summed up the game perfectly. I, I don't have anything to add on your summation of the, uh, of the game. I will say that I'm going to lump the Newcastle game into this, because mm. to me, everything that you said about City in this game replaced just, just replaced Newcastle's name hmm. in it. I mean, A, they were both, I think, Old Trafford games, if I'm not mistaken, um, and both games 3 nothing. But both games, again, yes, it was a change United lineup, but that change United lineup was better on paper than the change Newcastle lineup. So, there was Newcastle players I didn't even know played for their club in that lineup. Yeah. There were players who had not even had a start in the league at all. Nothing. Like, like at all. And yeah. To me, it comes down to, I mean, Newcastle were putting on a training clinic at one point in that game. It was ridiculous. And yeah. if you think about it, right, this is Newcastle's C team, maybe. Like, sure, it was a, yeah. well, let's just say it was a, the cup kind of squad that you put out there just because, right? But 100% that cup team, like not even yeah. a shred of like, they 100%. wouldn't show up in the Premier League for any game. 100%. And 
I mean, they had Gordon as a false nine. The fuck? Like, get out of here. Like, what? This one was even playing left back. He was playing I, I couldn't believe it. And, and what, what annoys me is that even then, right, even with that team, that hodgepodge mix of, of, of players, I saw an identity. Mm-hmm. I saw a style of play. And the one thing that United under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, because everyone knows I'm his biggest defender, said was there's no style of play, which was a hot lie, in my opinion. But at, you're expected that Ten Hag, you know, total football, <laughs> you know, is going to come in mm-hmm. with a style of play. And, yes. and let me go back. If you look at when Van Hall was manager of Manchester United, people said the football was boring, and it was. But Every doesn't matter who played that game that day, you know what style you're gonna get. You know what's expected. Jose, as I hate, I despise that man. Jose I despise his management at Manchester United. However, I knew exactly how he was gonna play. So mm-hmm. sure, I knew exactly how he was gonna play, no matter who was on the pitch. And is that that's not important in the way that Twitter thinks it's important. When Twitter says style of play, Twitter is asking for. Tiki Taka non like or Gegen Press. That's what they're asking yeah. for. They're asking for one of yeah. those two things. That's that's mm-hmm. it. They don't care about your high press counter, whatever. They don't they really don't care about that. They're no. asking for those two styles of play. Now, Ten Hag is showing no style of play. He is a pragmatist to the core. The only mm. thing that he is holding himself to is we're going to win the ball high up. And I thought, okay, you're going to win the ball high up. You need a forward who can go chase. You have Hoyland. Great. Cool. You need a right winger who can actually hold with and beat a man. Because mm-hmm. believe me, you're not building up play doing that. Uh, Anthony has not beat a man since he came to Manchester. He's beaten his, a woman. We know this yep, allegation. Yep, yep. Um, well, yep. <laughs> <laughs> But he's not beating the man. He is so, not, he is not think, to to this day beating a man in the Premier League on the outside, and it's probably not going to happen. And that that alleged situation was in Manchester too, so we know that like he he can he can do it in in the UK, like you know. So, what <laughs> what you oh, also then need very mobile midfielders, right? And you're mm-hmm. asking me, how have we gotten to this point, effectively, right? To me, Man City are a club with a plan. No one can ever tell me that Pep Guardiola is going out there by himself and saying, this is what I'm going to do. No. Chiki Bregeristein is on board. Serrano's on board. They have a sporting director who's who's on board, and they work on it together. When they let Pep do it by himself, man brought Claudio Bravo, bruv. <laughs> and we all know what that was. That turned out great. Man said, "Give me Nolito, bruv." We know this isn't it. They had okay, to so... switch to Edison, who was clearly not a guy that uh, Pep had ever laid eyes on in his life. Okay, so but here's the thing that outsiders that. don't understand is we have been hearing that internally there is this going on. There is this structure that has been apparently being put in place. Where? We see that 
at Man United. Like we talk, <laughs> they talk about, you know, they talk about the fact that either Darren Fletcher, or if, if, I even forgot the name, the positions that these people have, right? Obviously, uh-huh. what is being said and what you see are two different things because ultimately when you look at the players that are being brought in, these are just players that Ten Hag knows about. He sort of knows what to expect from them. Mm-hmm. He has pushed really hard for them. But even then, I can't understand it. So, you know, I think one of the big talking points this week has been Ten Hag going, I don't have the players to play the way I played at Ajax, right? So you saw me do my thing at Ajax with with Tadic and you know, on, Onana mm-hmm. and all these guys, right? Like that whole amazing young team, mm-hmm. Donny, all, <laughs> all the familiar boys, right? Mm-hmm. But they played this scintillating football that the entire continent envied. And so on that basis, he's brought into United because of what he's achieved at Ajax, because of the way that he plays, because of the way that he develops the talent. Mm-hmm. And I can understand first season, super pragmatic. Let's just sort of button down the hatches. Let's make sure we don't have a repeat of Brentford away a ton of times this season. Let's like mm-hmm. get the defense in order. First season, success. You win a trophy. Champions League wow. qualification. Oh, that no, that, that, that's that's successful. A first season, a guy coming into oh, the Premier League, okay. like okay, fair, like fair, fair. yeah, not not the style of play, but finishing third, winning a trophy in mm-hmm. your first season, coming from the Netherlands to the UK. I consider that as a success for him. Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll, but, I'll agree. I'll agree. But the next stage is let's not just have a repeat of this. Let's just have the, you know. The best, the best players on this team, I guess, aside from Rashford, are the defenders. Like, we are really relying on the magic that happens when Rashford just, like, grabs the ball, smacks it in from 25 yards. We need a style of play. We need, like, a way of breaking down teams that has some level of consistency. That's what I'm expecting this season, right? And he just come out and said, hey, listen. That whole Ajax thing, forget it. That's not how I'm, that's what I'm about. Beginning of the season, they actually said, like, the Man United way is like, yeah, we, it's not the Ajax way. Like, I understand that United, it's like counterattacking, it's all action. The things that we recall, those tidbits we recall from, like, you know, a decade ago. But this week, the dude has just said, they don't, I, I don't have the players for this. Why? Firstly, maybe. Is this what you expect from this guy? Because I was sold that this guy is going to maybe not replicate Ajax, but do something similar, right? It's like mm-hmm. when you it's like when you're young and you see that girl, and you're like, ah, oh, you know, mm-hmm. she looks good, or a girl see a guy that guy looks good, and then you start dating, and, and like, they stop wearing the n- nice clothes, they then sweats all the time, they mm-hmm. stop going to the gym, it's like. I I was sold a lie, Bernie. Were you sold a lie? Uh, a little bit, to be honest. So I always felt that he was actually more of a pragmatist than he was a, to- a total footballer, right? Because the formations that he used and the style of play he used in Eredivisie were different than the style that he used in Champions League. And anyone who's gonna switch like that is a pragmatist. But I always actually felt 
that that was what Man United actually needed. That I wasn't, I'm not, I'm not one of those people who is fully interested in this is our style of play and it's how we do it because I knew two things that other people didn't. One, this is Manchester United. They don't get you. You have to overhaul the squad totally in order to do that, which doesn't happen very easily. Stuff. The second thing is, this is England. Okay, a lot of people have tr- come in here and tried to do what that Ajax thing is and fallen mm. on their face. Pep tried it in his first year and he realized he needed some more physicality. That doesn't mean he hasn't embedded his style of football in. He has. He's embedded it with more physical players than he's actually ever used before in his life. It's true. So yeah. you need to you need to figure it out. And I never felt that that that, uh, that Ten Hag was necessarily wedded to one thing necessarily. But what I fully expected is this. I expected that he could make it work with these players because Tadic was playing false nine at Ajax. This mm-hmm. is Tadic from Southampton, right? Yeah, like he, amazing. He's Southampton, amazing you get him playing yeah. false nine and scoring all these freaking goals. This guy's like, Ballon d'Or material. Over the place. He took Daily Blind, who was previously at Manchester United. Mm-hmm. Very, very slow player, right? Yeah. But very good on the ball. Put him at left center back where we all know he can play. And he did, he was, he did amazingly. Mm-hmm. Delit is slow as yeah. hell. Like, yeah. I don't want to hear anything about that guy. He is slow as hell. And then Van de Beek is the most awkward 10 8 you could ever have. But he mm-hmm. is, he but is he's what shot. we think McTominay should be in that just get into the box and go score a goal. That's it. Mm-hmm. I don't want you to do anything else. So it yeah. was, it was a mishmash of players. But what he's done here is he thinks that, like, he can A, replicate that, but not in a way that is as determined and structured in the way Ajax were, where Overmars and Van der Sar and everything and the youth is the best that, that we know that it is. It's, it's trying to – he did try to replicate it, but in the, in the dumbest way possible. And, and here's what I mean by that. Mm. He went for Frankie Dio, right? Chased him forever, even though all of us knew that was not going to happen. He had Ericsson brought in as a, um, what's that word? Plan B in case De Jong doesn't work. Yeah, like a poor man's. And, and then when De Jong didn't work, instead of actually buying the De Jong guy, because he had Ericsson in there, right, who used to play at Ajax. We all know mm-hmm. that, that, that that's the connection there. He bought yeah. Casemiro, who does not fit the plan. Does at not. All. Casemiro fits the, the way he played in the Champions League. If Casemiro is playing the single pivot role, but he's not even having him play a single pivot role, he's telling him, go Morad and go score a bunch of goals for me, which is why you have an open midfield. Ericsson is not mobile and cannot get around, and Casemiro is constantly out of position. No wonder your midfield is a highway. At Ajax, he had Shona, who was mobile, but also defensively disciplined, and Frankie, who was... Uh, you know, they say he can play anywhere on the pitch, good passing ability, but he's got an engine on him that Ericsson didn't have. Yeah. How the hell are you going to make this work? And what annoys me was I was saying this, and I think you remember me saying this last season, that he has not improved the style of play and that this team is Rashford or die. I said mm. this many, many times. I said this after the Marina beat Barcelona. And everyone was like, oh, we're back. We beat Barcelona. I was like, hey, Barcelona aren't very good. <laughs> They won the league, but they were not very good. I'm sorry. And secondly, Rashford scored twice in Spain. 
They relied on Rashford or die. He scored 30 yeah. goals, like 28 of them after the World Cup or some shit. Like, yeah. Yeah. Rashford was on world-class Ballon d'Or form, fam. And does he have priors? Absolutely. He scored 20 goals a season, 15 assists a season. We've seen him do this. But he's done that in it's a system where he had other people. It can be up and down, but he had those mm-hmm. two back-to-back 20-goal seasons where there was Cavani, who was running around and doing the right things. There was Mason Greenwood on the right-hand side, who A, could beat a man and B, could score a goal, which Anthony cannot do, which means you don't have to double-team Rashford. If you double-team yeah. Rashford, the ball will find its way to two Ball go all the way, yep. Right now, they're doubling and triple-teaming Rashford because they don't believe anyone else can do anything. And I'm like, Eric, how did you get here? He's seeing Ziyech, who he had on this team, and Ziyech could not beat a man either. But Ziyech had one big thing that Anthony does not have. Ziyech can pass the freaking ball. Ziyech can move the ball. Anthony has nothing. He cuts inside, he shoots. If that doesn't work, forget it. He has nothing. I don't understand how how he got to this point. And the other thing I want to say is this. He assembled this squad, like it or not. Yeah. Amrabat, who I thought was going to be good. Shit, but that's him. He That's his guy. Played with him at, uh, at Utrecht. That's his dude, okay? He signed Casemiro. He signed Ericsson. He signed Mason Mount, who we don't understand what the point was. I said it the day that he signed. I don't understand it. And, all, and we found out he has a Dutch connection because he played at Vitesse. And he scouted yeah. him when, when he was Ajax manager. So we know that's a Dutch connection right there. He signed four midfielders, Roy. When you add None Anthony, we signed for 85 million, going to 100 plus bonuses. He's so shit, we won't see the bonuses, okay? So it's just a flat 85 million because there will be no bonuses because he's so shit, okay? He has signed an entire midfield plus right wing and a new striker in Hoyland, who I feel so bad for. I just feel bad for the guy. Like, 20 years old, running around, doing your best. You're still not good enough, but you're trying very hard. Like, you're just a white Sonogo. I love you, man, but that's what it is, okay? <laughs> then, so, okay. okay. Go he on, signed go a on. new goalkeeper. He signed Lissandro Martinez, right? Mm-hmm. He wanted another center-back, but hey, he had Varane, who's supposed to be, you know, Champions League Varane or whatever. Van Bissaka saved this season last year, and he wanted Delo anyway, so I, I'm not like... And Luke Shaw is good when he's fit. This fit. is his team. You should have. There's no reason why Ten Hag should be telling me I can't play like Ajax. You changed the whole team. Like no United managers had this amount of backing, four hundred million pounds mm. spent, by the way, and bought like eight players or changed eight players out of eleven or whatever it is that you could feasibly say that you did, and then tell me you don't have the players. What the fuck don't you have the players? They're all your guys anyway. It's wild. Okay, but so here's my question. Not that I'm backing Ten Hag. Guys, here's my question on United, mm-hmm. which is, I guess, how much they have backed him, but how much have they backed him, like, to the end? So the one thought that comes to mind, mm-hmm. Harry Maguire, Scott McTominay, very clearly he wanted them out. Mm-hmm. Right. This offseason, he was like, I need these players gone. Hopefully they can go for a bit of a fee. Maybe it can raise money for a big player or someone to replace them. Mm-hmm. West Ham make their bids. 
Maguire, McTominay, they're like, eh, I don't really want to leave. I'm making really good money here. Mm-hmm. In a different situation, but in the scenario where Arsenal sort of got to this spot with Obama Young, with Ozil, again, different situations, but ultimately what it boiled down to was the manager made a decision. Mm-hmm. But okay, I want these players gone. Then mm-hmm. they're no longer good enough for me. Or or they're disruptive in mm-hmm. in whatever sense. And also literally like this is the thing we make fun of Edu for. He's he's the contract terminator extraordinaire. He mm-hmm. will he will write he will sign that check to pay off contracts in mm-hmm. his sleep. He's done it so many times. Mm-hmm. But what it does is it gets rid of a player that the manager says, this player should not be here anymore. Right. So take take the hit. I don't care about the financial hit because you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to either develop a player or bring in a player who is going to be better and the team dynamics are going to be better. And the club backed him. They said, okay, it's going to cost us, but we back you. There's something that United have not done. Mm-hmm. And when I now look at some of the drama in the dressing room and and all this, I do wonder if if they should have just gone for it because of some, it doesn't solve everything, but I do wonder about those, those like culture pieces that I don't think United have really backed him on so far. I'll, I'll, I'll say that um, what United need is an effective football operation because it's not just about backing the manager. It's about both of you, like sporting director, the manager and whoever else right, that's in that operation, agreeing on the pathway forward, right? Like a shared vision, not just saying, you know, Roy said this, so therefore we do this. It's, you know, you challenge it, you push it, you test it, you discuss it, and then if you come to consensus, you come to consensus. Manchester United had said that Harry Maguire could go, and if Harry Maguire left, that they were going to buy a centre-back. That was the idea. It was Todibo, it was Kim Min Jae that was looked at, but, like, they couldn't make that move in time because you couldn't, like, Brian were on it and whatever. But Toribo was apparently the dude, right? Now, I asked this question. Maguire was behind Varane in the pecking order and behind a lot of people. And quite frankly, the Newcastle, sorry, not yeah, both Newcastle and City games, none of them were his fault. And in fact, in recent times, he's sort of played himself back into a position where you can put him in the team over Varane. None of those goals, not a single goal in, that, in any of those games was his fault. And in fact, I thought his passing ability kind of got United out of jams, breaking lines and things like that. So I'm happy for the guy in that sense, though he's still going to leave. I think he should leave. But he was already behind Varane. Anyone who was coming into Manchester at that point, at least for the beginning of the season, was going to sit behind Varane. They would get their their op, their opportunity to unseat him now we're not even we don't even know if he's fallen out with ten Hag because he hasn't played the last two games even though he's been available right so maybe someone else could come in but would that have changed the trajectory of the team when you've taken the armband from Maguire given it to uh Bruno and said that your three captains are Varane, uh, Bruno Varane and Casemiro so I'm like I don't think it. I don't think the Maguire leaving thing made as big of a difference as people think it did. I think that the Scott McTominay not leaving thing didn't make as much of a difference because Amrabat was the DM he wanted to sign anyway, who and and, and he got him, 
And McTominay didn't play a lot of games. In fact, he didn't play much, and he just came on and scored two goals to beat Brentford. Like, so I think they've. I think United needed to sell more players in order to do more things. Absolutely, but mm. I'm not entirely convinced of the impact that those players have had just because of what was in front of them, which is actually always my United's problem, which is a which is deeper than a Ten Hag issue. Because why mm. did you sign Varane? You know, I, I said this before. Those first two years of full years of Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, United had in the first or second season the best open play defense. They were yeah. getting beat by set pieces. This is Lindelof, Maguire, Shaw, and Wambasaka had the best open play defense. Like just playing football, moving the ball around, and actually defending, they conceded the least amount of goals. I'll say this again: the least amount of goals, which means. You can we can laugh at them individually, but they were better than the sum of their parts and better than everyone else's sum of their parts in open play. And the next yeah. season, they were like third or something when you look at goals against. So did that defense do its job? Absolutely. So did you need Varane? Probably not. Now, if you're doing future planning, you might say, you know, Maguire is getting on in age. You know, he's not getting any faster. Maybe we need a young centre-back to bring in who can take over, Mm -hmm. right? You can get return on investment out of. The way, say, Arsenal looked at Saliba, right? The way Arsenal looked at Gabriel, who was 24-3 or something when you signed him, and then you got rid of... Yeah, I think it was 22-23. It was something like that, right? Like, Mm -hmm. do do I know if Arsenal thought he would start right away? I don't know. But you had an issue at the back. Yeah. You you rectified it with you not youth but with young players with a very high upside. When United signed Varane, I thought, was I excited? Yeah, you get swept up in big names, absolutely. But almost yeah, immediately, yeah. I said, this guy is not a better passer than Chris Smalling. Like, like mm, he's a good defender. Being real, yeah. For what you need, he doesn't even he doesn't. He, Maguire passes the ball better than Varane. Let's just call a, a fact a fact. Varane is a better box defender. Is that what you need? When you know that you have glaring holes like midfield, because everyone said McFred was shit, right? Address that. And then I had someone in my comments saying, when I said, because you know I was against the Casemiro signing from day one. Mm-hmm. Day one, because I asked the question. And I'll, I'll ask you this question. Would Arsenal have signed Casemiro 60 million? <laughs> no chance. I mean, No that's... chance. Uh, probably not. We did sign Havertz, but Havertz is young. Uh, <laughs> but Casemiro is 30, so there's no way we're signing him for, for that money. There's no way. You guys signed Partey when he was 28, 27, 28 for 50, yeah. which was his release clause. His release clause, I, yeah. I did think it was a bit excessive, but he was 28. Like, you can but get at that, three At that years, point, what he meant for the team was, was also, like, something substantial, right? Like... Um, but at this point, like when you're looking to to sort of get into the next gear, because let's let's remember where Man United were, right? Like you're trying to, yeah, you're like you're trying to like at that at the point like last season Casemiro comes in, you're like really trying to like up level with this new manager, and you want to like you said you want to build something that can be substantial for a while. Um, so yeah, big name, but I think it. All of this, I think, in the end, just sort of stinks of what you mentioned a few minutes ago, which is having your ducks in a row 
from the back room all the way up to the board, right? Like there needs to be this plan in place, which begs the question, like what, what now for United? There's calls for Ten Hag out, which I, I don't even know who you'd bring in. Uh, there's, I mean, I, I watch Mason Mount run after Livermento yesterday, and I'm just like, I don't, I don't care whether you're skillful or not. Like, you're not even trying, my guy. You're not even trying. So, I, I, what what happens with Man United I think, now? I, I think I think that. There, there are a couple things that need to happen. I think it's going to get a lot worse before it gets better. And I think that the ownership situation needs to be resolved. Whether it's Ineos comes in and takes 25% and they get sporting control. I am very, I've always been okay with Ineos over Qatar because I don't like the idea of, and they can say they're private citizens or not. I don't care. They're lying. Um, the Qatari bid was going to be the, a member of the royal family. It's a part of a nation at that point. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't care if it's Canada. I don't want a country owning my club. I think it's repugnant. I don't like it. So I was always more on the Ineos side than anything else. And if they get sporting control, it means everyone in the sporting unit is gone and replaced with people, at least in theory, like Paul Mitchell, who was at Southampton and Spurs when Pochettino was doing well at Spurs and at Monaco. Mm-hmm. He knows how to build a football club. There are other people who are named as well. They're going to go for guys like that. And that is extremely important in modern football, more than the manager. Because one thing I'll I'll say is that they set the direction for the club. And the manager that they bring in fits under the direction that they set in. One thing I've told people is, I was arguing with someone who said to me, oh, but we needed Casemiro. We needed like like a a DM of high repute. I said, at 30? What was the plan? There was no plan because it was Frankie they went for. And then they went for that. And I listed a bunch of names and their ages at the time. Douglas Luiz was 24. Mateus Nunes was 24. Uh, Jean Paulinho was 27. Um, Ugarte, who I never heard of until this season, was 21. So clearly someone scouted him. You could have signed any of those dudes. And it would have been better than Casemiro for Manchester United. Yeah, They would have done the job. Or you could have coached them to do the job and become long-term stalwarts. So that's part of a football operation that plans for things. The other thing, and, and before you sack Ten Hag, even though I'm Ten Hag out in my mind right now, but before you sack yep. him, you have to have that, right? It's very mm-hmm. important. When Solskjaer, when people were saying they should sack him, I went on my group chat and said, you need to put in a structure first. When you put in a structure, sack who you want. I don't care. They laughed at me as a structure guy. I'm like, look at you guys now. <laughs> like, 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 look at you. And, and the parallel that I've drawn. You laughed at me, but who's laughing now? Exactly. I'm laughing and crying at the same time. <laughs> The, the parallel I've drawn is Arsenal, and I'll tell you why. Arsenal still isn't the perfect model. But what did Arsenal fans do? You guys got pissed the fuck off at Kroenke. His son started say, started being like, Dad, 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 come on, yeah. man. Like, Just give me the keys, have, man. Give me the keys. Do something. He took the keys yeah. from Pops. He got very involved. They paid off your debt, if you remember this. And they said, okay. They had paid off a bunch of debt, like 200 mil. I actually have to look at this because I'm arguing with somebody over this. And paid off 200 million and said, we're not having the club deal with this shit anymore. And then what? And Edu said that they all got in line, all got in the room, and all got in line and said, what is going wrong here? And they said, we're not giving Arteta the tools to do his job. That the problem mm-hmm. is not that we're not giving him the tools. Now, Arteta is different than my friend Ten Hag, who 
Yes, he brought Zinchenko. Yes, he brought Gabriel Jesus. How old were they? Yeah, Gabriel yeah, Jesus okay. is not an old man. Yeah, they came at 24, 25. Like, these are, they've been in Man, United, man City for so long. But, I mean, those guys came to Man City, like, literally as, like, you know. Exactly. It's teenager, a very different you know, thing like than just, like, oh, this is what I know. He wanted a striker who was adaptable, mobile, that Liverpool Firmino thing, that uh, Rooney Ronaldo Tevez thing, and he got, and there was actually only one profile in the Premier League that could do that, yeah. and it was available. It made sense to me. Zinchenko, I think, is a bit of nonsense, but I understood the idea because Tierney was injured and you get a good deal. I I I understood it to many degrees, but then signing Partey was a big move. The whole Ramsdale, Ben White thing. Big, big, ballsy moves, right? Like, big moves. They backed him, but they backed him with players that I know he didn't go like, that's my boy. They scouted those guys. They looked at what they were trying to do, and they said, these guys fit. And they had to all get in line to make it happen. Declan Rice. Come on, man. Do you think anyone three years ago would have looked at Declan Rice and been like, Oh, he's a bit too English. Like, he's not really going to yeah. be Arteta style. He knows what he wants from this man. That's the idea. But the thing that also gets... Uh, there's one person, I think Arsenal fans probably are more aware of him than external fans. It makes sense because we think about our club. Tim Lewis, who is this member of the board, who essentially, when all this Raul Senye thing unraveled, it's because of this Tim Lewis guy who was brought in by the Crunkies to essentially go clean up all the mess, man. So we have essentially an enforcer on the mm-hmm. board who is like, I will not take any, like one ounce of shit in this, mm-hmm. in this club. Right. So he is their man inside who cleans up everything. Mm-hmm. And so because he was able to come in and do that, and then he, Tim Lewis is aligned with the board aligned with Edu, aligned with Arteta, aligned with, like, it does make a huge difference. Um, but actually, one, one of the, he's, he's the unspoken piece in this, which is mm-hmm. that connection to the board, who, like, essentially, I'm sure Arteta has come to him and been like, hey, man, I really want to buy, uh, I really want to buy Jude Bellingham. <laughs> Let's spend 100. And I'm sure these ideas have come. And Tim Lewis has been one of those people who, we're not we're not privy to the conversations. I'm sure those requests have come. And he said, No. I know you want this player. No, it does not it does not make sense for us as a club. But mm-hmm. hey, you wanna you wanna spend on wanna splash on one big player? Let's plan for a year. Let's seed this thing in the rice camp. Let's go hard for nine months mm-hmm. and we'll put the money up for you. But you, you know need that. You know who that guy is at Man United? Joel Glazer. <laughs> That's who that is. Joel Glazer, who knows not a freaking uh, thing. Like, literally, they go, Joel, That's you think painful, it's painful, man. I'm, I'm not even joking. There are articles about this. They talk, they talk, painful. they talk, and they go, Joel, what do you think about this? He doesn't know anything. What the hell does he know? He just knows, is there money available? And it's not even his money, it's the club's money. If it's within the budget, he'll say yes. That's it. That is it. That's how you get to oh Anthony for eighty five million. We have this money in the in in the bank sitting here. Might as well use it. 
any your that your Tim Lewis dude probably goes, Anthony eighty five million. Are you sure, bro? Now, I like maybe he let the mudra like because yeah, yeah, you were going yeah. you were going to do that, but. In my opinion, Mudrick looked crazy. <laughs> like he looked, he looked like he looked amazing to me. That was an and, Edu Arteta shout, right? Like that was like a, maybe even mostly Arteta, right? Because actually, I still don't fully trust Arteta's eye, right? Like he's he's a he's a bit of a crazy man, and that's the same thing with Pep. You need that person there who's gonna go. Hmm. And I think Arteta did a good job selling Mudrick to Edu. <laughs> So Eddie was like, "All right, okay, let's let's really push for it." Um, but you're always gonna have hits, hits and misses. Like, it doesn't matter what club you are, you're gonna have hits and misses. But you need that alignment, man. And if you don't have it, you are going to make so many more mistakes. So let me ask you this: mm-hmm. sixth place in the Premier League, are you taking it right now? I don't care where we finish in the Premier League. Me... No, you're giving up. Uh, you giving it's up. Not even, it's not even a matter of giving up. I do not care, and the reason. I do not care is it's so like I am literally very very focused on what happens with this ownership situation because that tells me whether or not I should care and not care as like oh you're a fan like you don't care anymore like no I'm always going to care in that sense but if I should be fully invested like the was it this the Newcastle game mm-hmm. I I almost didn't watch it I was I had the time I was available. I was my work, my work came early. And I really thought I was going to take a nap. I really thought about this. I was like, I'm going to take a nap here, you know? And then I was like, I'm a fan. I have to, I have to live with this. I have, That's and the thing pain, is, man. When it was 1-0, like, I, at the City game, I was shaking my head. I was like, I can't believe this. This one, I was like, fair enough. 2-0? So, Cool. Three nil. I put it on mute. I was chilling with my kids. Like, hey, how you guys doing? Like, what's going? On? Like, <laughs> can't give a shit. Like, oh. like, you can't. And and that's my thing is, I've said these things for at least five years. They yeah. when they sacked Jose, they said they were looking for a football director. They didn't get that guy in until twenty twenty one or twenty twenty two, in John Murta, who by the way was already at the club already at the football club and he came with Moyes from Everton already at the club did not know a freaking thing about being a football director they just gave it gave him the job just gave he it told, to him he has no idea what he's doing he brought Ranick who was a failure of a coach for us but was a consultant he had built teams that's his thing mm-hmm. I was shocked at first I was like because he Ranick lied up and down and said a lot of rubbish I was happy when they got rid of him. In hindsight, terrible idea. Because I thought, ooh, because Eric was affirming my hatred for Randick at that point, right? So, like, you run with it. <laughs> but I also thought, okay, he has experience working with Overmars. So maybe Murtaugh has learned everything he needs to learn. And this is going to be a Overmars and uh, mm. Ten Hag relationship here. Yeah. It was only like a month later I started reading that like he got rid of Radnick because he didn't want too many cooks in the kitchen and he had convinced the club to give him more power. Which Oof. explains everything that we have seen thus far. Murtaugh doesn't know how to do his job. He is just ceding to Ten Hag. 
which makes everything that you're seeing right now 70% the Glazers' fault, 30% Ten Hogs' fault. Whereas with every other manager, well, with with Mourinho, it was it was his fault almost entirely. Um, with the other ones, I would say 90% the Glazers' fault, 10% the manager's fault. You are running the show, Eric. So the question of where do we go from here, it has to be it, the Ineos sporting control, get rid of Murtaugh, give me Paul Mitchell, give me a new guy above him, that a new Tim Lewis guy who's this guy called Jean-Claude Blanc or Jean-Claude Van Damme. I don't know his name, but whatever. <laughs> and then get me Nice as my feeder club. Give me Todibo Nice now that we own you. Give me Kefrem Turam now that we own you. Let's go that route, league on route. We know those guys are good, and we have a feeder club under us that's owned by the, our, our our minority owners. Yeah, that's that's the path I want. And maybe we have a stable football operation. And I'll say one more thing, hmm. just because I skipped it before. If you think about Manchester United, in particular, in those games, right? Newcastle and City, you didn't think they were scoreable. You didn't. Like, Ooh. yeah, yeah, McTominay yeah. I mean, had a good chance. You didn't think that they would score a goal. I remember yeah. we're coming from a place of Rashford or die, right? Mm. Our forwards, including our wingers, have a combined total of one goal in the Premier League. One. Ooh. One. That goal was Rashford against Arsenal. Against Arsenal. Always shows now, up. What that means is that the team is not a firstly chances created are drastically low because last year they were creating a lot of chances for Rashford. Last right now they are incredibly low. XG is incredibly low. So people have Go. made a big deal about Oof. about Rashford this season and how he's not playing well. He's not. Let's be honest. But there is no system that is a, that is creating anything for him to do anything. It's not working the way it needs to work to maximize him at all. How do I know that? One combined goal. One. One. Normally, Man. if an attack is functioning and one other guy and one guy, like if the attack was functioning and he was just being shit, other guys would have goals, right? Yeah. Like, they don't. McTominay has two. He's our top scorer in the league. In the league. Casemiro has two. <laughs> So, this is the crazy no, thing about United, man. Like it's stupid. I'm, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not here to talk about like you know people go like, oh, this guy is shit. I'm like, who isn't shit? That's that's what I want to know because the attack is not functioning. And yes, players are part of the attack. Yes, Rashford is part of the attack. But if everyone is being, if Bruno Fernandez is not creating chances, Bruno has created the most chances in the league since he came in. By yeah. far, like it's not even close. It's by far. I mean, K- KDB put him above Odegaard because he was literally like this guy just creates. He's a creation yes. machine. And Bruno Fernandez is not creating chances. What does that tell you? The system is broken. And if the system okay. is broken, it is only one person that fought for that. I've just realized that y- you guys have minus five goal difference and only eleven goals in. <laughs> How many games have we played this season? Oh my word, that can't be true. Wait, how many games? Ten really, games? You played ten games. My won God. five, lost five, which is why actually you're eighth in the table and not lower. You have eleven goals, you've conceded sixteen, and you have negative five goal difference, which is 
you have to go down to 14th place for worst goal difference. And then it gets better. And then Bournemouth. Uh, <laughs> so Everton and Nottingham Forest have better goal difference than you. Um, essentially, only Crystal Palace and the bottom four have a worse goal difference in Man United right now. So let, let me let me read you a stat just just so that you can you can understand where I'm at. You said Man United are eighth, right? The eighth right now. Let me tell you where we should be according to expected points. One, <laughs> two, three, four, five. This is gonna be bad, man. Seven, eight, nine, ten. 11. We should be 11th place on extent. Do you know which teams are should be above Manchester United? Everton. <laughs> Brentford should be ahead of Manchester United at this present time. This is dumb. Let me let me let me go to expected assists because my man Bruno is always on expected assists. Bruno is fourth. Do you know how many expected assists he's supposed to have? Four. He has two. And nothing's going Four. in. Do you know who leads the assist table in the Premier League? Let me tell you. Who? Pedro Neto. Seven. Ed? Oh, yeah, yeah. Six. He's been on fire. Madison. Five. Ollie Watkins. Five. This team is underperforming in every aspect. It's the manager's fault. Man. Should he be sacked? No. Well, we don't have a structure, but it's his fault. I mean, the good news is somehow you're still above Chelsea. I'm not sure this is a good moment to chat about some other some other teams who've had some good Man United time. <laughs> but you guys are above Chelsea, which you know the one thing I'll say about Chelsea. I'm so glad that they are eleventh mm-hmm. because the laughter that would be erupting from Stamford Bridge about them selling Havertz and Mount for a combined whatever is 130 million pounds. If they were top of the table, I would not be able to live with the laughter. But they're still useless, thankfully. (laughs) They've been playing well. They've been playing well. They they should be sixth. Yeah, they're like... They they should be, according to expected points, on... uh, Wait, is this how this works? How many points do they have? Uh, yeah, they should be on 18 points. 18 points. But you know you where know you what? should be? What? 19 points. <laughs> so, this is what happens when you sign a uh, you you sign a player who was just hot for Villarreal for a few games, who cannot actually put the ball in the net. It's unbelievable. <laughs> it's, it's absolutely unbelievable. Like they are playing okay, but they're still shit. Like even though can't... I say I I look at them and go, "You're not that bad." They are still shit. Yeah, you know you know the weird thing about Chelsea. Of all the games where they didn't create a ton, like think of the goals they scored against Arsenal. They scored like mm-hmm. eh, like the pen. I'm okay with it, but you know, sort of semi dodgy pen and Mudrick crossing in and goes into the goal. Whereas other games, these guys are create like Kukurea. He had a chance on the weekend where literally the ball was chipped into him. And he was five yards in front of the keeper, straight in front mm-hmm. of the goal, kicks it right into the keeper's hands. Like literally, they have chance upon chance. Like, 
they can't put the ball in the net. But the issue is the uh, the teams that they face. <laughs> as soon as the chance comes up, boom, they're gone. And yeah. then they also have their keeper yeah. running up for last minute goals. And um, that was a pretty hilarious moment where <laughs> Sanchez are trying to he was trying to get back, <laughs> and Brian was scored into an empty net. Yeah, but they're so they're fun. okay. They're okay. But they have us. This is the thing. Like. You need to have players who put the ball in the net. Like that's the hardest thing to do in football. It's the reason Holland is a beast. But you need someone who is decent. And Michael Jackson is just not. <laughs> it's not the one, man. He is not the one. He needs to beat it personally. Yeah. Uh, but... <laughs> on, on, and, the, and the thing with Chelsea is like they are also a club with no plan. They just signed a bunch of play, of people for a lot of money. Didn't have any plan for them. None at all. Like, yeah. listen, you signed, you got, you, 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 it, they are an accounting exercise. They're not a football no. like, operation at all. Because you don't get rid of Mendy and Kepa, who both of them had their issues, and bring in Robert Sanchez to start as yeah. your goal. It, you do, it do. does, it doesn't make sense. And there's a thing I, I feel the most about Chelsea is their supporters are under the assumption that they're going to be back to where they were. And I, I have no idea why. What, what is it that gives you the confidence that, you're going to be where Abramovich had you for these years where he was spending like wild, but had effective people in place in the club that actually made made them go from, as much as we looked at it in one coach to another, they won stuff. They were the most successful team in the UK for a big chunk of time because mm-hmm. of that focus. And mm-hmm. the assumption they're going to return there is, to me, no it's, pretty, it's a pretty weak one. But hey... No uh, I will happily enjoy them creating lots of chances and missing most of them. Thank you, thank you, I, Chelsea. I, 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 and and by the way, the the managers that United were looking at at the time were Ten Hag and Pochettino. That speaks a lot of volumes to me for a football <laughs> operation doesn't know what the hell it's doing. You know, eighth, what? eighth and eleven. You should have signed Big Ange. <laughs> My God. My God. And and. I'll I'll say this, okay? Like, uh, just to give us a very quick roundup of the other teams, real, real, real quick. I'll I'll, I'll say this, okay? Um, if you look at the clubs who are doing well this season, right? Um, who are they? Man City? No, Tottenham are top. I think. I know Paratici was suspended from football operations, but let's be real, mm-hmm. that guy was still working. Like, yeah. like that guy was like 100%. you can't suspend like someone like that like they had an operation they made some mistakes with Conte and the rest of them right um he had to leave but that man was still working like he only resigned in August they had on like he was still working and making things happen they did the right thing with letting go of Kane bring in Madison I think they had a uh with Ange they said this is how we want to play this is we want to they at least have want to switch tact from the nonsense that we did before of big name managers for no reason and we want to build something. They focused on that and they're doing well and being rewarded. Man City have a plan. We totally understand this. Arsenal have a plan. Liverpool deviated from the plan from for mm-hmm. a bit. Michael Edwards left and they didn't know what to do. It just and now they figured it out. The signings that they're getting are not just hey clock, what's up, man? Like, the signings are now making sense. Like, yeah. uh, McAllister, Gravenberg, 
um, signed yeah. some bunch of they're other like, dudes oh, that they signed. They're like they close. They're, they're really close. Sense. Absolutely. Mm. I I just think their football operation makes sense. Plus FSG, I do think that they care more than like other owners do. I think they always have. Yeah. These teams, Aston Villa with Unai and how yeah. they backed him and what they're doing there. Newcastle, we already know about that they Ooh. have a system and an operation. Brighton, we know have a system and, and an operation. Mm-hmm. All mm-hmm. of these clubs know what they are trying to do and who they are trying to be. They are where they are for a reason. For a reason. Absolutely. That's that, yeah. And if teams like United, like Chelsea, who were formerly top six teams, can figure that out, then the league is in trouble because they have resources up the ass. If you figure out the football yeah. operation, those two clubs can dominate. But they don't know what they're doing, and their disasters are, emblem- are, are just emblematic of that lack of leadership, lack of organization, and lack of structure. The rest of them, yeah, congratulations I'm, to y'all. Y'all doing so well. Not to hate on United and bring us back to United, but I, you know, I have wondered what what's the team that punches whether the least above their weight or the most beneath their weight, you know, like pound for pound, you know, pound for pound, the strongest puncher, pound for pound, the weakest puncher. Because of the malaise within Man United, there's like a good shout that for the kind of, think of the amount of money that United generates. Like Man City have longed to be here. And essentially they've got a state to back them to mm-hmm. get to like any level. And it's still dodgy. There's still 115 charges, right? Like mm-hmm. it's still dodgy. Man United is just this revenue and brand machine. Mm-hmm. I mean, I feel like you touch down, you put your, your body anywhere in Nigeria and it'll take you three seconds to find a United jersey. Same wow. thing for Indonesia. Same thing like doesn't matter where in the world you are. You'll find a United fan. Mm-hmm. And how much United has underperformed their financial and brand might. This is like worth a book if it's not been written already. I'll, I'll, you've hit on such a great point. And I'll say this. Manchester United have never needed state ownership. They don't need it. When people say like, no. oh, if Qatar comes, we'll be able to buy Mbappe. Manchester United, with the amount of revenues that they generate, if run properly, I'm not saying like kind of tracked. I'm saying they could sign anybody they want any any day and money should not be a problem. Manchester United should not be dragging with Real Madrid in terms of revenue. Manchester United should be doubling Real Madrid's revenue. Their fan base, like people talk to me about Real Madrid being the biggest club in the world. Let me tell you something. The Premier League is the most watched league in the world. Manchester United are the most watched team in the Premier League. Manchester United, like literally, if you go, if you go to, like, uh, uh, what's it called? If you go to my village, literally my village, okay, mm-hmm. in Nigeria, no one's ever heard of this place before. Iberia, my village. You will have what we call viewing centers. I'm sure you have them in Kenya too. Same thing in Kenya. Like, yep. They don't show La Liga there. No. They don't. They show Premier, Premier League only. Yeah. You don't get live La Liga. You don't. <laughs> you get live La Liga on like being <laughs> sports. You don't get that shit just random places. You get it. Ra- you get Premier League in random places. So no yeah. one should ever tell me that Real Madrid are the biggest club in the world. 
the amount of money that Manchester United are leaving on the freaking table by just it's crazy organizing themselves is insane. Yeah, it's absolutely <laughs> insane. And if they figure it out, like think about it. It's why I was saying you guys before. Marcus Rashford has his own shoe for Nike. He's shit right now. Like he's playing trash right now. But he has his own <laughs> shoe for Nike. Why? Because Marcus Rashford is still the most marketable player in England. Fact. Fact. And half of that is because he plays for Manchester United. Plays for the biggest team. Yep. Like he's that's half of it. Like, so we think about that. This club doesn't need anything. And where it they just are needs right to now. Be properly organized. And that's what they were under Ferguson. Just properly yeah. organized. That was it. Yeah. They always had the best stadium in the country. That was it. That those things were not under any question. Now it leaks. Fuck's sake. Dude. No. No, well, I'm I'm enjoying the fact that you are this third generation wealth squandering everything. I'm very thankful for that. So I <laughs> uh, appreciate appreciate the Glazers. <laughs> appreciate Burdock. <laughs> and thank you, Ten Hag, for just making my life that much that much sweeter. It it gives me it gives me uh it gives me joy to see that you are happy. Uh, <laughs> because if if I can't be happy, I want I want another black man to be happy. <laughs> <laughs> My joy meters through the roof, man. Oh, like my wow. team lost yesterday. I do not care. I'm just watching <laughs> United stand. You know, you know, you know. <laughs> you, <laughs> man, I, it's like when Arsenal were shit, I used to just be like, AMTV time. Here we go. Yo. With, oh, my wife the other day, she's like, Why are you watching Man United? I'm like, they're losing. It's fantastic. It's, this is exactly what I need. Oh, oh man. man. I almost subscribed the other day to United Stand, man. That's how much, that's how much I, I was I loving it. That. I remember Arsenal were bad. Claude, rest in peace. And I was like, time to go! Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Oh. No, no, no. Yep. There, we, we, are. We, we, we are trash. But I think we have to leave it there, Roy. Roy, you know what? Thank you for pressuring us to make this happen because I've held this in. Like I've been able to tweet about it, but I have held this in, and I think I needed to do this. And for all our think... listeners, I'm sorry, it's a United Pod, but we needed this. And sometimes no, don't so don't be sorry, this. don't be sorry. We all, all of us needed this. Whether you are a United fan, whether you're a United hater, you know it's it's good to hear you talk with deep pain, um, and then also like. <laughs> Fig, trying to figure out how to get out of this mess, knowing that you can't get out of this mess within the next few months. So, um, deeply enjoyable. Thank you for making this happen. Thank you, Roy. And uh, believe me, the way that this season's going and life is lifing, you are going to be a regular, <laughs> regular guest on the pod as long as, as long as you're willing. So, we're, 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 everyone remember this voice. He's going to be around. It, tell you what, for every United apology, every time the United apology, you can have me on the pod, and that'll be me on the pod a hundred times this season. So let's let's do it. Give me give me some our shitty Arsenal performances so that like you can rant and then we can. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! All right, man. Thank you. We'll talk to you soon. Hey, cheers.
Thank you for downloading the Koshcast. Get in touch at underthekoshblog at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at under underscore the kosh. And for articles, predictions, and the full experience, go to underthekoshblog.com. Thank you.